We're, we're in Acts 20, 22 to 27 today, looking at uh, Paul's continued instruction to the Ephesian elders. If you remember, uh, last week we saw Paul, he's in Miletus, he calls the Ephesian elders to him, which is about 30 miles away. He's just in Miletus for just a stopover on his way to Jerusalem. He wants to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost so that he can have one last shot at trying to share with some of his Jewish brothers there about Jesus as Messiah. He's got um, seven young disciples with him uh, that he has gathered from his journeys. These are guys who he's building into. And he wants to really to impart to these elders priorities. I promise you that Paul talked about these same issues when he was in Ephesus for three years. But now he knows he's not going to see them again. He's not going to be able to go back and, and, and help them and encourage them. So he wants to take this last time in Miletus to really challenge them and to give them these priorities. Then remember last week we looked at how he was kind of looking back at his life as he was sharing with them. And he, you know, he said in Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I promise you, he's telling these guys the same thing. The things you see in me that are good are from Jesus. And those are the things you want to emulate. And we looked last week at this principle of attaining his desire. The desire Paul had was to serve the Lord. That was his motivation. It was his drive. When he got up in the morning, his drive was not to make a buck. It wasn't to to achieve some earthly ambition. It was to serve the Lord however the Lord wanted him to do that. And so that was the first principle we looked at. The second thing was that that he was sharing with them and we pulled out this principle appropriating his devotion to to be as devoted to Christ as he was uh, that you know we we look for examples all around us when i was in the marine corps uh going in they would show all these guys remember uh bob where's bob when we're going through the basic school uh, chesty puller and they're talking about all these guys you know, the, the guys who would jump on the grenades, the guys who were fearless. Because they want you to look to these guys as examples, examples to emulate. And Paul's laying out how, listen, I, I, I cried over you. I, I was persecuted, but I didn't stop. I just kept going. I was devoted. And so he appropriated, he, he appropriated the same uh, really devotion Christ had when Christ was in the garden says take this cup then he says not my will Lord your will and sometimes we're going to be asked to do things we don't want to do and that's okay but we do them because we're devoted to God's plan we 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 uh, trust him and and we're willing to trust him even though we don't like necessarily where he's taking us and Paul did that and we looked at that last week and then finally we saw this advancing his declaration. Paul was fearless and bold when he shared the gospel with people. He didn't dilute it in any way because it might be offensive. And we talked about the Jesuits over in China. They, they felt like some of the elements of the gospel were going to be offensive, so they, um, they diluted the gospel and it was a disaster. 
Because anytime you dilute the gospel, anytime you take away, first of all, you're going against scripture to do that. It's not your message to get to take away anything from. If you are an ambassador, you take the message from your boss. Because that means you're sent by somebody. You don't have the right to change that message. And we don't have the right to change that message, even though we may not like parts of it. Parts of it are uncomfortable, especially in our culture. Remember we talked about how truth, God's truth can rub people the wrong way, especially right now. There's a lot of churches that are compromising right now because to say that a, a man can't be a woman is offensive to people. To say that God's design for people is male and female, because that's what the Bible says, to say that God's design for people is that a man marry a woman, because that's what the Bible says, can be very offensive. And we can dilute His truth. Not just the truth of the Gospel, but the truth of His Word, period. And we compromise. And, and, and we can't do that as His priest. And so last week we kind of got into this and we this is really it's going to be a three-part thing on on this whole message to the elders and you're going to hear some repetition but I thought as we were looking at it I just kind of felt led to shorten it and continue to go over each little section so today we're in 22 through 27 only a few verses but as we look at this text today I, I I see us being reminded that, first of all, that we are to be directed by the control of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what directs God's priest and God's people. Not us. And and just like God told Isaac, I don't want you going to Egypt, I want you staying where the famine is, which doesn't make sense, right? If you if you know a place has food or more more than likely has food, you'd probably be more inclined to go there. That would make more sense in the world's view. But since when does God make sense in the world's view? He does a lot of things that don't make sense. But we'll see that today in the text. The second thing that he's called us to do is to be driven by the the, um, commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the, the, the Lord God Almighty has commissioned His people to go do certain things. And that should be a driving force in our life. The fact that He chose us to commission us is what drives us. You know, why does the guy, why does a guy jump on the grenade? Most of the time, everybody thinks it's for his buddy. And that, that's part of it. But you know what else? It's so his buddies can take the hill that he's supposed to do. The mission drives things. And our co-mission is to what? Go make disciples and teach them all that we've commanded. That, is a, that should be a driving force in our life. And if it's not, we need to repent. We need to step back and say, I'm being driven by the wrong thing. Whether it's the, the money, economy, power, security, whatever it is. That should be our driving force. And then third, that... God calls us to be dependable in the communication of His truth. Again, going back to that same idea of advancing Paul's declaration, we have to be dependable in the way we share God's truth. And we see Paul again talking about not shrinking back. He's 
faithful, even though it comes with a cost. If you were had an opportunity to share with your employer or with somebody that had a big contract for your company, but you knew sharing with them might cost you that contract, would you shrink back for that, even though God gave you the opportunity and the call to do that? A lot of times we shrink back for far less than getting stripes on our back like Paul did. And so as we look at what the text says, hopefully you'll see those things there that God calls us to, to be directed by the control of the Spirit, to be driven by the commission of the Lord Jesus and dependable in His communication. So again, it's only a few verses in Acts 20. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to come back and look at each one of these. Starting in verse 22. And now, and this is Paul speaking, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that, that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. And just think, for, think about that for a second. That this is not, this is a far cry from the prosperity gospel that is preached in a lot of places. You follow Jesus, He's going to give your bank account, you're, you're going to have money, you're going to have, be able to pay your house off, Listen, these are things that I've heard pastors say. You know, you, 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 you folks just have to trust Jesus and you ain't got to worry about pain. You don't have to worry about these things. All these material things He's going to give you because that's why Jesus died, right? So that we could have all those things. See, that was the problem with what the Jews thought. They thought that He... He came and Messiah would come just to free them from Rome. And He didn't. He came to free them from sin and the eternal damnation of the the Most High God. And so, He goes on to say, Luke does, He says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me, verse 23, in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me, but... I do not account my life of any value or precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. These are the very words of God. Not a lot, but it is a lot. Verse 22, Paul says, I'm constrained. The word there means to be bound by or bound. Led by the Spirit. I just want you to stop for a second and think about your own life. How much are we led by the Spirit? And how much are we led by our schedule? Our schedule, not His schedule. How often does the Spirit 
move us to do something, but we dismiss it. And 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 you know, I I I've been walking with Christ for gosh, 40 plus years. And um I've never heard an audible voice say, "Doug, I want you to go to Russia." But I have been moved and seen God's affirming signs that the Spirit is moving me to go. I had a choice to make when I left the FBI. It was as clear as hearing an audible voice. And even so much so that family members and even my boss at the FBI told me I was crazy for leaving such a secure job to do what I was going to do. And it was a choice, but it, I, I didn't know what else to do because I, I sensed that's what God wanted me to do. And you know what I found in my life, and maybe you see this too, is sometimes for me it's a lot easier to follow the Spirit in the big things than in the daily things. Yeah. Like, like if He wants me to go to India, yeah, I can go. But if he wants me to love my wife and he prompts me to do that when I don't want to, I can't do that. I'm I'm mad right now. Sometimes those big things are a lot easier to do than the daily mundane things. But Paul was directed. He was bound by the Spirit. David says in Psalm 143.10, he says... Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. David was led by the Spirit. There were times that he wasn't. He certainly wasn't led by the Spirit to commit adultery or to kill his best friend. But whenever he made mistakes and he was confronted, he was led by the Spirit to repent, and he did. The problem with Israel a lot of times is they were stubborn. They were hard-hearted. When they were confronted, they wouldn't repent. David wasn't the only one. Jesus, Jesus, it says in Matthew 4, was led by the Spirit, what? In the wilderness to be tested. Peter, Acts 10.19, had the vision, remember? And it says, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down. And what did he do? He rise and he went down. Philip in Acts 8 was told, Hey, go over. Go out here in the desert. There's some guy I want you to go meet. And he went out into the desert and he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Paul in Acts 16, when he was going into Phrygia and Galatia, he was forbidden by the Spirit to go somewhere. And he was obedient to that. And God wanted him to go to a different place. So all these men were led by the Spirit. We see it all throughout Scripture. We don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. We A lot of times, we because of what I call charismatic perversions, a lot of times people dismiss even talking about the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit leads us. That's how God comforts us and He directs us. John 14, 
Jesus, when talking to the disciples, says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And that Spirit is the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, Paul reminds the Romans, Hey, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I've got... I was having a conversation with Lori the other day about a, a person we know that says, well, you know what? You can't displease God. Uh, that, they teach that. They have a very popular Bible study and they teach all these young people that come to it. It's a young person study, like a young in the 20s, 30s, that you can't displease God. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If we can please God, then how, how can we please God if we can't displease Him? And how do we please God? Based upon what I just read. You walk according to the Spirit. Do you think Ananias and Sapphira displeased God? I'd say they did. I'd say it was very displeasing and God took him off the face of the earth. Why? Because he didn't want him to be a witness and he was making a statement. You don't lie to the Holy Spirit. He was trying. So it's crazy to some of the things people teach. But what they're trying to do is to say God loves you no matter what. Now listen, His wrath doesn't come on you as a believer. He might discipline you. He might take you off the face of the earth. But that's a promotion. Right? I mean, if you're going to keep, like my, my guy that I know that is not walking right now, the chaplain guy who's not walking very well, if he continues in that and God leaves him, makes me wonder if he's ever been a believer at all. It was all a shit. Listen, and I, I, I think I've told you guys before, I was with a guy in Kyrgyzstan one time, not Kyrgyzstan, a Kazakhstan, and Baptist minister. Who'd been a minister for 25 years, pastored several churches, who heard the message one night, and we came back to the room, and he was rooming with me, and he said, Can I pray with you? I think I just got saved tonight. God been a pastor for 25 years. And he said, I was pretending. I was doing all this stuff, but it wasn't real for me. But I feel like tonight it became real. I can't do anything to please him. And I, I, I mean, in the sense of eternally, he said, I can't earn my way there, but I, I feel like I said all the right things, but it never really impacted my heart. And he, he was just weeping. So yes, there's a lot of people that are going to say, Lord, I did this for you and I healed people and I, I went on these mission trips. And he's going to say, depart for I never knew you because they weren't led by the Spirit. <laughs> Romans 8.14 says, all who are led by the Spirit are of God are sons of God. If you're His, if you're His, 
You're going to be led by the Spirit. Doesn't mean you won't make mistakes, but ultimately you're going to be led by the Spirit. Galatians 5, Paul says in Galatians 5.16, I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He goes on in verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul says, I was constrained, I was bound by the Spirit to go. He'd probably much rather stay in Ephesus and keep building into these guys. But no, the Spirit wanted him to go to Jerusalem knowing that persecution was going to wait, knowing what was coming. It was not something that was getting a big feather in his cap in Jerusalem. He was going into the battle, but that's where the Spirit wanted him to go. He was directed by the control of the Spirit. God's plan, guys, is always the best plan, even when it includes suffering. And sometimes that's hard for us. It's hard for us to hear. Well, verse 24, he says, but I don't account my life of any value. Account my life of any value nor precious. You know, when he Paul wrote Philippians, and Philippians 3 is a, a phenomenal passage. He says, my brothers, I write to you the same things is no trouble to me and safe for you. Look out for the dogs, the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we're the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ. We put no confidence in our flesh. Everything in our world, guys, drives us to put confidence in our flesh. Everything. He says, though I have reasons for confidence, he says, if anyone thinks he has reasons for confidence, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What he's saying is, to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior makes everything else seem immaterial. And I think we forget that. I think we forget that. That the eternal the eternal value. And that's why he talks in in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, listen, these are light and momentary afflictions far outweighed by what waits on the other side. If we really believe it. See, we don't value our relationship with Christ. Because if we valued our relationship with Christ, then we would heed what He says in His Word to be driven by His commission. When he says, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, the word for rubbish there is dung. It's like 
know, poop. I count, I count the loss of all things as that is rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and I may share in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, the driving force of my life is to know Him and the commission that He placed upon me. He says that I may finish my course in the ministry I received. He goes on in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I've obtained this or I'm perfect already, but I press on. In other words, guys, you're not going to get there this side of heaven. But we press toward that. That's the goal. That's what he's saying. He says, because Jesus made me His own. I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call, the call of God in Christ Jesus. Guys, God did not bring you into His family to sit. He didn't bring you into His family to just be passive. He brought you into His family to be a conduit to other people. To be an ambassador. To go and make disciples. And and you go, I don't even know where to start. Well, how about starting with just praying for an unbeliever? How about starting with seeing, is there anybody in my life that I could be helping along the way? He's not asking you to stand up in front of, uh, you know, TIA field down there and, and preach to 50,000 people. He might. But more than likely, it's just going to be in your little sphere of influence to be His disciple maker. To be a guy who's not motivated by the dollar or your personal success, but you're motivated by the fact that God called you to Himself, redeemed you from eternal hell so that you could be His priest and help somebody else. Because what's the role of a priest? The priest intercedes on behalf of man to God. Who are you interceding for? Who are you interceding for? Paul says, I don't count my life as precious or of value. I I, want to finish the course. He says, to testify, that's to be a witness to the gospel of the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 2, Paul says in verse 15, he says, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And to those who are perishing. To one, we're a fragrance from death to death. To the other, from life to life. Phil, when you go talk to a guy and he's hard and he doesn't want anything to do it, it's because you stink to him when you talk about Jesus. He didn't want anything to do. So, so it's not our job to convert people. 
It doesn't mean we can't grieve that they won't follow Jesus. But guys, when you go and you present Jesus to somebody whose name's not written in the book of life, you're going to stink to them. It's going to bring conviction upon them and they're not going to like it and they're not going to like you. And it may divide. But don't let it be divisive because of your personality or the things that you do. Let it be the message that that causes them to pull away. But you, you need to understand that you're going to be the aroma of death to some people. And that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. But he never forgot. You remember in Acts 9.15 what, what um, it said? Where, where God says to Ananias, go Ananias, for he is what? A chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer. I promise you, Ananias talked to him about that. Because Paul was blinded. He couldn't see. Here was a guy who was up and coming in the Sanhedrin, and now he's blinded because he met Jesus face to face. And I'm sure Ananias probably shared with him, God chose you, Paul. He chose you and He's going to use you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, he says, because we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. In other words, God chose me for this. We don't lose heart, guys. You've been chosen by God. The Creator of the universe said, you know what? He says, Jay, I want you to be mine and you're going to be my messenger. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train you and equip you so that you can represent me. That, that is such a privilege. It's not an obligation. It's an incredible privilege. Paul got that. In 1 Thessalonians 2, he said, listen, even though we'd already been shamefully treated at Philippi, we had boldness in God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. Our appeal doesn't come from error or any kind of impure motive or any attempt to deceive, but we've been approved by God and entrusted with the Gospel. We're stewards. So we speak not to please men, but to please God. That's why we do what we do. We've been chosen and commissioned. It's it's the most incredible privilege that we could have. And it's relegated to people who... I mean, I, I, it's just awful. People make evangelism seem like the worst thing in the world. You, you, there's nothing better than watching somebody delivered from death to life. We have, a, we have an, a stewardship of this message. In 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, hey, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. In verse 8, he says, nor of me his prisoner. I have to tell you, early on in ministry, sometimes I'd be, you know, I'd be talking to some of my buddies, like I where I was, like I was in Houston. I, I was playing basketball at the Y, and there was a bunch of former NFL guys and some some uh, uh, college basketball players there. And I can remember early on, I if if some Christian friends of mine came up who were really zealous, really zealous. 
And I, I'm building a relationship with these guys. Sometimes I was embarrassed of these guys because they were more zealous than me, and I wasn't. I didn't want to be that zealous with these guys. You ever feel like that sometimes? When your Christian friends come up, and you're 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 trying to, you you want to be friends with the world in a different way. Oh man, they're gonna run these guys off. Paul says, don't be embarrassed of me. Don't be ashamed of me. But share in the suffering of the Gospel by the power of God who saved us and He called us, you and me, to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of His purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He wrote your name in the book of life and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. That's why I suffer as I do. I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed. I'm convinced He's able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Guys, each one of us has been entrusted with the Gospel if we're His. Paul says, follow the sound patterns the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith. In other words, imitate me as I imitate Christ by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and guard the good deposit. Are you guarding the good deposit? That's what he says. That's just Paul. James Calvert was a young missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands. And he was being taken there. He was on a ship. And a guy was going to drop him off. And the captain knew who the, the, about the cannibals there. He knew how dangerous it was. And he was trying to tell him not to go. And he says, you're going to lose your life and the lives of those who go with you among these savages. And Calvert said, we died before we ever came. We died before we ever came. Jesus said, if you want to live, you got to die. That's what he was talking about. Anybody who wants to follow me, take up your cross. Die to yourself daily. So, God reminds us we're directed by the control of the Holy Spirit. We're driven by the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to be dependable, guys, with the communication of His truth. Paul says in verse 25, he says, none of you are going to see me again. So guess what that means? He's getting ready to what? He knows his time is coming. And he makes this statement. He said, I am innocent of the blood of you all. I preach the whole counsel of God. What is he referencing there? You know what he's talking about? Why would he say he's innocent of their blood? Well, he spoke the truth. But let me take you back to the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 3. Same thing God said to Ezekiel applies to us. It applied to Paul. Paul knew that. That's why he says what he says. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you will die... And you give him no warning, 
nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways in order to save his life, that wicked person will die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked ways, he will die, but you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, and he he will die. Because you have not warned him, he will die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn him not to sin, and he doesn't sin, he will live because he took warning and then you will have delivered your soul. He said almost the same thing in 33.6. He says, If the watchman sees the sword coming and doesn't blow the trumpet so that the people aren't warned and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. And he says, I've made you a watchman. I've made you a watchman and so Paul says I'm innocent I'm innocent of your blood I came to you I poured out my life he said it to the Thessalonians he said it to the Corinthians he told them all he says I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God you know over in 1 Corinthians 2 Paul says when I came to you I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with some lofty speech or some really fancy wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith wouldn't rest on the wisdom of man, but the wisdom and the power of God. What he's saying is, it's not. I hear guys say all the time, well, I don't feel like I can share the gospel. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I'm good at talking. He didn't want you to be good. He just wants you to be faithful. He's good. You just give him the message. It's not up to you to change him, it's just up to you to be faithful. Romans 15. Paul says, I won't venture to speak of anything except Christ and what He's accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, sorry, Illyricum, that I have fulfilled the ministry of the Christ. So, here's a few questions for us to think about as we think about these principles today. Who's really in charge of my daily life? Me or the Holy Spirit? Not who do I want to be in charge? Who's really in charge? And who should be in charge? Second, what drives me? I can tell you where to look to see what drives you a lot of times. Your checkbook, your calendar. Those are things that you can look to see what you're driven by. If I'm not driven by the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, if I if I get up, 
See, most of us get up and we think our job is what drives us. No, our job is just the place God's given us to be His priest, wherever that is. Am I faithful in communicating the whole counsel of God? Are there times that God gives me an opportunity to speak truth to somebody from His Word and I shrink back because I'm afraid of the consequence? Don't shrink back. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. Don't shrink back because it may cost you. It will cost you. It always costs you. Because the world is not favorable to God and His plan. They killed His Son. What do you think they're going to do with you? But like James Calvert, if you've already died, what does it matter, right? What's the worst that can happen? Jesus said there's a lot worse things that happen to you than death. And just like He told Isaac, Isaac, you stay in Gerar. I'm with you. You can, you can live in the midst of a famine and you can trust I'll take care of you. I can testify to you this day that He has been with me every step of the way, thick and thin, good and bad, tough situations and blessing. He won't leave you, but He wants you to be led by His Spirit, driven by His commission, and He wants you to be a faithful priest who gives His message. That's what He wants. So, thank you guys for being here today. And, um, A.W., I'm glad you're here. Chuck, will you close in prayer? Lord, we thank you that you are such a Thank you for your word. And in these short verses, you could show us the way we are in the what you want us to do. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We ask you to dwell in each of us. Lord, you would guide us. And you give us the ability, the knowledge, the courage, and the opportunity to share God's word with others and not shrink back. And that you would be the one that controls our life. Lord, we're thankful for Doug. We're thankful for the gift you given him to, to be able to share your word with us in a way that we understand it and that we can walk out of here with practical ways of applying it. We pray that you would comfort him in the trials and he's going through, Lord, and that he would realize that uh, you walk us through all of those, you're with us, but it's to make us stronger and to love you even more. Pray for all the men here, Lord, as we walk